Well, good morning. It is great to be together this morning, and uh, I, I I think back to obviously we had house church last week, and we had uh, a church here two weeks ago, and this morning I, I ended up uh, I ended up making up a number of my our, our own offerings for Kristen and I because between sickness or, or being not meeting here as we we normally do or different things it was. Uh, made up a number of things, and, and I appreciated what Ralph shared just in the thought of giving. Um, and I thought also, why in the world have I forgotten to, have I been missing this? And I'm glad I made it up, but what happened, you know? And I realized, you know, we've been really sick at different points as a whole family. We've had a ton going on. We've had um, just, just a lot going on with us, the Balzers. And in that time, though, I, I just want to thank the church because I feel like you guys have really done a lot to give to us. And, and I'm very grateful for that, of uh, just the practice of putting into action a lot of things, of trying to help and serve and um, even be served. In the beginning of the year, I was talking about we need, uh, serving each other and letting yourself be served and um, how that could be really humbling. And then inevitably we're being served a lot. People are like, can we bring you food? And part of me wants to be like, no, don't worry about it. And Kristen's like, we're telling people they need to serve so stop keeping people from doing what we're telling them to do. And I'm like, okay, amen. Um, but in that sense, I just want to say thank you. I mean, just to everybody who's whether you brought us food or you've come help us clean our house or take care of our kids and, and just the different things that have been going on. I'm really grateful. And I just want to express that and even acknowledge like putting into practice uh, and even hearing just a little bit of the things going on around the church that don't include us. I'm just very proud to, to see us putting into action a lot of the things that we've been learning. Amen. Um, and so, as I told you a couple weeks ago, we uh, uh, this is going to be a, a short series that I've I've got going, and, and I've entitled it "The Church of Christ," right? And this is the Church of Christ Part Two, a, a, a people devoted to learning, and and that comes from Acts two, and and talking about really, I call it the church the Church of Christ because it's. The first century church. I'm talking about the, the church we're going to be looking at in the book of Acts. I mean, when they started, there's, there's no division. It's just a community of people that are deeply devoted to Jesus. There's, there's no di- other names over the doors or different things. They don't, they, there were other names, like they were called the Way or the, the Church of the Nazarene. Or, it, it, they had other things that we, they were called, but really, there was just one, it was one church. And it was just the church of Jesus, right? And so I'm not trying to make a plug for, like, the churches of Christ is the only church and, and that's the only name you should have over your door. That's not what I'm trying to say, so please don't hear that. But I'm just trying to illustrate that, really, there's, this was the heart of the one church of Jesus, right? And that's what we're going to be looking at and getting into. And, and I, if you've got your Bible, turn over to Acts 2. We're just going to read this. Because, as I've said, we're, we're, we're drawing from here. As we think about what the church looked like, I mean, these, this was a community of people that their lives became so intertwined. I mean, they, they, they just... I mean, already Judaism was, was a community that was very tight-knit. And the Christians took it to another level with the way that it, it went from... Not just the necessity of being together, 
but the love of being together and the, the driving devotion to basic principles that they just held to. And, and namely, that started with Jesus. But we're going to look here in Acts 2 really quick. And, and we'll, um, we'll start in verse... Well, we'll start in verse 36. I was going to start in 38. But Peter just preaches the first Christian sermon. And, and here in verse 36, we're going to go down to the end of this chapter. It says this. This is Peter. He says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, He warned them and He pleaded with them. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted His, uh, his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Right, and so, you see the, the formation of this community, right? They've, they've come together and they're just blending their lives. And you've got thousands of people from out of town. We've talked about this a couple weeks ago, but you've got thousands of people that are... Uh, coming from out of town for Pentecost that are just tens of thousands of people extra. It's like the difference between when school is out of session in Burlington, right? And all the students go home, so there's like a 20,000 person deficit in the city, right? And then it's versus the difference of like the couple days when all of the students move in along with all of the freshmen and their parents and it's just all the extra cars in the streets and the people in the restaurants and everybody's, it's like the hotels are booked and you cannot get space. I mean, it's, that's what it's like, okay? Just the city is packed out and, and then none of them leave, Okay, so like thousands of extra people start becoming Christians, and rather than going home when the party's over, they just stick around in the city. And, and that's where so much ends up happening, and, and you see a lot of sharing that goes on, and I'm, I'm looking forward to share, uh, talk about it next week as well, this whole concept. But you begin to see, though, the, the beginnings and the blendings and, and the devotion of the first century church. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You're, you're a Christian. Stay in my house. Come. We'll eat together. We'll go there. You know, they meet in the temple court. So envision like, like 
six or seven football fields in size with all these colonnades and, and areas to, to walk through and, and places to sit. And, and so when they're meeting together in, in the temple courts, every day you're seeing thousands of extra people show up and the apostles are there teaching and maybe they're in different groups broken around the courts and you've got a couple hundred here and a couple hundred there and they're just preaching the word and people are just eating it up. Right? And they're getting done and they're going home and they're sharing their meals together and they're talking about the Word of God and they're just, they're loving it. You guys with me? I mean, just, it's, it's just, it's a, it's, it's the 2020 thing like on steroids. I mean, it's just, everybody is so on fire because it's, it's, it's new as well. And it's the, the fresh devotion. Right? It's incredible. And, and, though the thing is, I really believe that that didn't really wane a ton as time went on because you saw that in the first several decades, I mean, the church just exploded. I mean, really, in, in the first 200 years, it just exploded in the way just, just people were loving hearing about Jesus. They wanted to know. And, and they, you know, for the first 40 years, they didn't necessarily have all the scriptures like we have, and I'll get into that in a moment, but they're just fired up to hear about the gospel message of Christ. Right, and so what we see here, though, is the church. It, it records, right? Luke records for us the apostle who wrote, or not an apostle, but Luke recorded Acts for us, and it's a highlight reel of the big things that happen. Right, and this is a big thing. But he notes the the things that the church was devoted to there. And as we strive to be a church that's more and more knitted together, connected together in Christ. I think we can look at what were the things that they really did great to help them as well be connected. And so we're going to talk about the aspect today of being devoted to learning. But I want to hit the others before I move on. And so in in Acts 2, we see that it says they devoted themselves to these four things. right? To the teaching, the apostles' teachings, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And, and you look at, I, I mentioned last, uh, a couple weeks ago, that the fellowship is not a, sin, it's not a social hour. It's not a time to just spend together. It's, it's much deeper than that. Um, if, if that's the main idea we have of fellowship, that's the wrong idea. Because really, at, at this time in the scripture, fellowship meant more the concept of sharing all that you have. Of the complete union of your resources and your time, um, your energies. I mean, it's just you shared all you had in the community of believers. It wasn't, oh, we're just hanging out together. And I look forward to digging into that actually next week. So, but breaking, then you have the breaking of bread. And this is certainly the time of communion where they share together. I also think that it is the social time. You know, just the meaning of, of sharing a meal with someone is powerful. And in that time period, we know that the Christians were getting together. They were remembering Jesus. And, you know, they weren't perfect people. Some of them were getting drunk and some were eating too much and others weren't getting enough. I mean, it was, you know, we see in the book of Corinthians that they got schooled by Paul um, for some really bad habits uh, and, and were trained otherwise. But when we, we look at this, though, that's, that was breaking of bread and the prayers. And I say the prayers... Many of your Bibles probably just simply say to prayer. Um, but remembering that this was a Jewish community that practiced the Jewish prayers. And it's very likely, you know, I'm sure that they, they developed to learn to pray a little bit differently outside of that, but 
I think they really stuck to a lot of the traditional prayers that people would pray. And when you get together to, to pray that with someone in, in a way where you're both, your hearts are, are intensely praying the same thing, and you understand what you're praying about, and you know that your heart's invested and my heart's invested, and we're praying for this fervently together, that's powerful. It's not the like, okay, let's, let's all repeat this together. It's, it's, it's so much deeper than that, right? And, and that level of devotion in these things just brought these people together in a way that every day people would come in and see them, see their devotion, they'd see their hearts, they'd see their love for Jesus, and they'd hear the zeal and, and get a little bit of learning, and they'd go, I want to be a follower of Jesus. And thousands of people became Christians in a short period of time. And so what did that mean, though? Is it, if you had 3,000, if we converted 3,000 people in a day, right, you just think about that. All the students come back, right? There's all the extra people in the city. Maybe it's down on the waterfront. Some crazy sermon, the Holy Spirit, fire. I mean, just people were like, yes, we want to be Christians. And we're just baptizing as many as we can right there in the lake. Because you can. And you have all of these people that suddenly become Christians. Many, imagine, though, that, that maybe they know some spiritual background and maybe some know nothing. You've got to teach these people. You've, we've got to teach these people. And, but they became, the whole church became a community of learners. And how do you know that? They were in the temple courts every day, learning. And the Christians didn't stop doing that once they, they broke up and started leaving Jerusalem. They continued to, to have a lifestyle of being together, of, of sharing time together. And so... When we look at this, and we, we talk about this today, we've got to ask ourselves, why did they do that? Right? And it's because, because of the gospel. Because they heard the good news of Jesus. And if you're going, well, what does the gospel mean? You know what? I want to put that on you for you to go and study that out. Right? I, I, I want you to go and you yourself, in one paragraph, try to figure out how do you explain the gospel. Because if you can do it, in one paragraph, really? Like five or six sentences? And you understand that? I guarantee you, it'll change your life. As a disciple. If you're confused about it, go, go and dig into it. As a, as a learner, right? Somebody who's devoted to learning. But when you think about it, the, here's Peter, and he announces the Gospel, and he's saying, he's teaching these people... That everything you Jewish people that you thought you knew about the Messiah, it's different. You expected this political leader who's going to come in and reign with an iron scepter and he's just going to kick Rome out of here. You're going to take over the rest of the world and we're going to be Jewish, man. That's going to be the kingdom. That's not, that's not what Jesus was about. So, and Peter's up there and, and they begin to teach like the gospel... And the gospel is, it's going to change every part of your life. In all the ways you think. Right? And the gospel tells us this, this huge, beautiful story of, of the wonderful world that we live in and, and how we, we look at a God that runs this world that's not aloof or distant. 
but one who is immensely caring, compassionate, loving, attentive, just, and merciful. That, that's our God. He's so, he's so attentive that He's like, I, I actually will become a human to be with you. Right? And we're hearing this, right? And, and we're, we're, they're preaching to say that our God is a good God. His heart is to redeem the world and set things right. And, and it's become broken, but He wants to renew it. He wants to, to make a place where the relationship, man's relationship with God is pure again. And man's relationship with man is pure again. And so, but to do that, really, it should change every facet of our lives. The gospel really should change every facet of your life. As, as we learn to say, what does it mean to live now with the gospel-centered mindset? What does it mean to be a learner? It, it, it becomes a lifelong process of learning. You know, it's not like these 3,000 people became Christians, they stuck around for a month, and then they went home knowing everything they needed to know. You guys get what I mean? Yeah. That it, if you become a disciple, right, and you got baptized, did you learn everything you needed to learn in the first month? No. You're, you're, I'm sure you're still learning, right? But as, as this process goes, it, it, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes a lifetime. A lifetime of learning and being changed by it again and again every day. You know, it changes our identities and our values when we consider how God really feels about us. How he, how he cares for you. How He placed you in this family and in this community of believers, right? Who, who wants to be there for you. As imperfect people just striving for perfection, right? Learning to figure out what it means. We're learning as individuals and we're learning as a community what it means to live as disciples, right? And so... As, as we do this, though, and we take the gospel, and you learn, it's going to change every facet of your life. It's going to change how, how you think about finances. It's going to change how you think about your career and your jobs. It's going to change um, what you think about and how you deal with conflict or social justice, friendships, enemies, marriages, sex. Everything changed. The, the whole view of human experience changes when you really go... What does it mean to live as a Christian and in view of the gospel? You guys with me? Awesome. And so, when the church sits here and they get together and they're looking at this, we can see that in the beginning they started as a community devoted to, to learning. And, and what I want to do today is I want to dig into that concept a little bit more on what it means to be a disciple. Alright? So if you've got a Bible, turn over to Matthew 28. Because the community that was the church, they were a community devoted to learning. And, and really, this was all part of Jesus' plan. And, and I, what I'd like to do is I'd like to show you, starting in Matthew 28, just a, how God or how Jesus even planned it to be this way.
Verse 18. Jesus speaking to his disciples. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You guys can see this passage up here. And and I put it up here because... Let me pause here. If you're concerned right now that I'm going to get into how you need to be all about making disciples right now. Uh, if your concern is, is that I'm going to tell you that you need to start sharing your faith, please don't worry. Um, that's not what this sermon is about, if you're feeling any anxiety about that. Um, though, I will say, it is literally impossible for me to teach this truthfully and adequately, and you not also come away with at least a mild conviction that you should share your faith. It's, it would be impossible. Okay? Um, but this sermon, it's about the early church of Christ and how the community was devoted to learning because that's what disciples are. They are learners. Literally, mathetes, right? In, in this word in the Greek, to, to be a disciple simply means that you're a follower or you're a learner. You're a student of a teacher. I mean, that's, that's what it is. And, it, and it's not just like, um, you know, you just learn. It's you're trained. Right? It's not just an education, it's training in how to live a certain way. And in this passage here, though, it, he uses this. And mathetes doesn't actually show up in this passage in the Greek. You know, you see the word disciple in there? That, that word, go and make disciples, is this word um, matheteo, right? And, and you can see that mathetes is in there. But what that means is, it's to become a learner of. To commit to a teacher. It does also mean the act of making disciples. But it, it, it means that there's a commitment that is made when you... A disciple or a mathetes, matheteo. Like, a disciple disciples. It's kind of what it is saying. Right? And, and I thought of... How could I explain this? And... Um, because it, it means something, and it has kind of a double meaning. And so, I, I look at it and I go, alright, it's like a father. Okay? And it would be a, 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 mathet, a disciple will mathetail, just as a father fathers. Okay, and, and what I mean by that is you have the act of child rearing... As a father, like you, you have the act of creating a child, which is to father, and you have the the act of fathering, which is also raising a child. So a father fathers. It, it means both, you know. And so when I think about it, for me, so I have I have my my dad, who's my bio, biological father, and and I and I love him, and he's he's awesome, but I am also blessed to have my stepfather and who you know I've told some of you before but I would call my stepdad dad if my biological father were not alive because he just means that much to me he's he's earned that right 
in my heart and in my mind. And for only out of respect for my, my dad, who he deserves that title as well, I'm not going to give it away. But I have told my stepdad on multiple occasions that he is my dad. He is my father. He's more than that to me. And why is because he married my mom just before I turned 11. And he raised me. He taught me so much. He, he helped me learn to be what it is to be a good man and to, to act right and to work hard and to think ethically. I mean, he, he fathered me. You get what I'm saying? He, he trained and raised me up. And, and, you know, and, and I'm also, I'm like even more blessed now because seven years ago I got another one of those. So and now I get to have Ralph in my life. And he helped do that too, right? I married his daughter. And that was a huge blessing for me because he as well is a man that's incredibly hardworking and, and teaches me a ton. And I'm grateful that he is. I'm only not, I'm not allowed to call him dad because that bothered Kristen when we first got married. It made her cry. So I was like, all right, I won't do it. He'll just be Ralph. Uh, you know, but I, I just I feel like that was I'm blessed in that way because he as well trains me up. He fathers me. And now I have the privilege of being a father. Right? So when you look at this idea of a disciple, yes, they make disciples. Yes, a disciple it, it, a disciple is a, a follower, a learner, they're also a teacher. They, they teach and they train and they do those. But to be those things, you have to first start as a learner. Right? You can't, how would you make Christians without first learning how? You get what I'm saying? And so, when we look at what it is to be a Christian these days, to be a disciple, are you a, like the first century, they were learners. They deeply knew it. Um, you know, William Barclay is a, um, he's a commentator that I really like. He actually writes, uh, he writes this, All his life, a Christian should be learning more and more about Jesus. The shut mind is the end of discipleship. And, and I really, I think Barclay's right. Because, literally, if the disciple stops learning, if they stop pursuing growth and learning and training at the feet of Jesus, or, or learning to be more like Jesus, just learning, not to mention the aside of like actually doing it, if they just stop learning, they cease to be a disciple. I mean, it's just, it's the basic concept of what it means. And so, I, I was thinking about it, as we look at what's happening in Acts, you know, these people, they become followers of the teachings of Jesus, passed down to them by the men Jesus had personally trained. And, and these guys were passionate and devoted to learning how to live as Christians. And, and I'm speaking of the people who were being converted, not just the apostles who had been with Jesus. You know, and so I gave our college students this illustration in the past. I said the difference between really the level of learning, right, be taking this seriously, really being devoted, would be like a, uh, an English major who's taking a science class as a prerequisite. 
they just want to get through that class. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's like, you're there, okay, I'm going to learn this. If I'm going to do it well, it's to the glory of the Lord, but I care not at all. Right? Um, because it will have no bearing on me as, as an English major. They just don't care. But maybe you have somebody who's passionate about science, right? Who just, who wants to learn more. And, and they're going to go and sit in that class. They're going to pay close attention. They're the ones that are going to be engaged in discussion, right? They're going to be taking the notes and, and, and just involved because they love this stuff. They, they just eat it up. They're devoted to it. They're devoted to the study of it. And that English major, once they drop that book off at the bookstore at the end of the semester, they're never going to pick up a science book again. But that, that science major, that person who's going to devote their career and their life to it, they're going to be 15 years past retirement and they're still going to be reading the newest like study that's come out about these different science aspects. They're going to be getting the Wired magazine and Science magazine. And, and they're just going to want to know because they just love it. Right? It's like Carl, if you've ever had a conversation with Carl. Carl's never... He, he's, going to be, he's going to be like 90 and he's going to be like, did you get me the laces paper? You know, like... And he's just... And, and he's, he's going to be telling you about it if, you go and, if we go and visit him. He's just going to be like, I read this and it was fascinating. And you're like, that's awesome, Carl. You know, amen. Uh, you know... Uh, but that's just his passion. That's how these people felt about Jesus. Because they're just moved by the gospel and devoted to learning. Right? It's the difference from the kid that sits in the back of or sits in the audience working and playing on his phone and checking, you know, whatever's going on, not paying attention to the one who's sitting in the front of the class and just taking it all in and being engaged. That's a disciple of this, of a topic. And so I'd ask you, what are you today? What are you today with Jesus? Are you still devoted to the learning like you once were? You know, you can be. You can be. If you're not, you can be. That's the amazing thing about Jesus. You know, we will always be learning what it means to be a Christian. Learning new ways of life and growing as Christians. And, and, and growing as Christians as life throws new challenges and as we continue in old challenges. We're going to continue to persevere and fight. And what would Jesus have me do in this situation? But you've got to be a learner. Because that's what a disciple is. Right? And if you read the Bible, Paul doesn't use the word to go and and keep the disciple learning, right? Matheteo doesn't actually show, it only shows up four times in the scriptures. And and it's really interesting. I would actually encourage you to to write those down or take a picture um, to to go back to Matthew 27, 57 and Acts 14, 21 and, and take a look at those because how they use that word and what it means. I mean, Dig into it a little yourself. Amen? But when you, you look at this, learning all through the epistles, Paul writes about it all the time. You cannot avoid the idea that a disciples learn. 
They're constantly being trained. And so if you ever cease to stop learning, or you cease to pursue learning, you've got to consider what Barclay said. Has my discipleship ended? And if it has, let's pick it, let's, let's start that over again. We can have repentance. That's the beautiful thing about Christianity. Amen? Like there's never, there, there's not an end till it's an end. Right? And then, if we've done it right, there is no end. We, we get to love and experience that with Jesus literally forever. But when we look at this, I, I want to look at this passage here in 2 Peter 1. And just to illustrate this a little bit. And Peter, so we're going from right Acts 2, where we hear Peter speaking. We're going to end with Peter speaking as well. And I'm sorry, I think I said 1 Peter, I meant 2 Peter. And that should be 1 through 8, not 108. <laughs> but in uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, now I'm just going to read this, starting in verse 1. It says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, godliness brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure... They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, you cannot escape literally the, the, I mean, the amount it talks about knowledge. You had to learn and be taught. Right? There's so much about being taught and, and growth and everything in here. And this whole process of going, like, no, 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 keep adding, keep adding, keep adding, keep going, don't stop, keep learning, keep growing, keep training yourself. It, it, literally, he's like, don't stop. And then he ends it, he goes, because if you don't stop, what happens is, it will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in what you've already learned. <laughs> and, and what's interesting is, if you've been around for a while, you've, you've probably learned a decent amount. You know a decent amount about Jesus. Maybe you could teach some other people, but are you teaching other people? Or has your faith become ineffective and unproductive? Has the knowledge that you have, is it still moving? Is it still active and living in you and and, and causing effect? Or is it what Peter's talking about? And if it is, again, like I said, you can change that. You can change that. He talks about it here. Because you've got to add to it. Right? You get back to building on what you already have. And why do we do this? Why, why, 
Are we doing it? It's not just to escape the corruption of the world. That's a great benefit. I mean, that's like the, the if you're into sweets, you know, it's, it's the banana sundae. It's, it's like the chocolate and the sprinkles and the cherry on top. That's a nice thing. And, and you would enjoy those things by themselves. Katie would enjoy those things by, by themselves. But you miss out on the, the real substance of what it is. The substance is Jesus. Because of the great and precious promise. Because of, as, as he talks about, he's like, what we have in Jesus, this faith that's as precious as ours. What's precious is the relationship with God. What's precious is my pursuit of knowing the creator of the universe. He's amazing. That's, that's, that's the substance. That's what really matters. That's why I do this. If, if, if it's not about that, I mean, why in the world would I even want to go to heaven? If I don't love being with Him now, why would I love and want to spend eternity with Him then? It's not just about living forever. It's, it's about experiencing God. And we don't have to wait to do it. We can do it now. And that's why we learn. That's why we pursue. To keep it fresh. To keep it growing. To, to continue to know and be renewed by the Spirit and by God's Word and be in them. And so, I, I want us to just look at this and say... If you have not been where you want to be as a disciple, if you've not been being a disciple, let's just put it very clear, of being a learner, it's time to repent. Let's be learners. Let's be learners again. Because you can. You know, that's, that's the amazing and beautiful thing about Christianity. I love it. We can turn around. We can begin anew. It's always possible with Jesus. And so, here's what I want to do. I want to make a, a, I want to make a couple recommendations to you. First, I want to recommend a great book. I want to re- recommend a, a book. It's called, it's just entitled, With. W-I-T-H. With. Okay? And it's, uh, write this name down, and I apologize that I didn't create a slide for this. Um, the, the author's name is Sky, S-K-Y-E, Jethani, J-E-T-H-A-N-I. And this book is not really about a devotion to learning as much as it's a great book about living, what, what living with Jesus is supposed to be about. It's, it's about what devotion is not. Okay. And, and I found it really helpful. I know a couple different people in the church have read it and have found it um, as a blessing to our souls to have read because it just dispels some of the, the things that weigh heavy on our hearts. I'd encourage you to read it. it. It teaches you the real heart, I think, of learning and being with Jesus for the right reasons. Um, but the second thing I want to do is I want to encourage you, if you haven't had a discipling time in a while... Get one set up for this month. And I, I don't want to tell you to set one up this week or next week because maybe your time won't let you do that, you know, in this next week. But, but you can set one up within the next month. Yep. Setting up a prayer time, of, of a spiritually edifying time, and, and set, telling the person you sit down with, 
hey, can we can we pursue this devoted like this devotion together of of learning and asking questions and opening yourself up to being taught and trained to live like Jesus in all the facets of your life. But the second point is, is the second recommendation is get a discipling time set up. And lastly, I want to encourage you sacrifice whatever you need to, whatever it takes to have your time with God. If you've got to sacrifice sleep, then sacrifice it. If you've got to sacrifice Netflix, then sacrifice it. Okay? Some convenience or some comfort, you've got to make some sacrifices. If you want to be a disciple, you literally cannot without sacrifice. And there is a ton of scriptures, a ton of scriptures to teach you that lesson. And so I want to leave you with this as, as the last slide. Uh, oh, it's not working. Should be one more slide, I mean. Oh, there it is. Okay. Here's just a couple days if you wanted to have some short, quiet, some quiet times over this. And there's not a lot of scriptures, but if you sat and you really meditated over these few of just what does it mean to be a disciple, you did a little bit of journaling, a little bit of writing, what does this scripture mean for me? You'll spend half an hour on these passages. If you spend less than ten minutes, you better go back to it again. You know, or come and seek some advice on how to have a great quiet time. Because you shouldn't be able to get past this in more than ten minutes of writing and really journaling what this scripture means to me, if you know how. And if you don't know how, then be a learner and ask for some help. Amen? So I just want to encourage us, as we're together and we dig in and we are devoted as a church, what happens when a community of people are devoted to something together? Things radically change. When we as a church are devoted to learning, we're going to radically change our own lives, how we live, treat each other, what we do, and it all starts at learning. We can't hit the rest of the other other three things that are in the four devotions until we get down learning. Because I literally can't teach you how to do it if you won't learn. So, we got to start here. Let's dig into it together. Let's enjoy the the joy that comes with doing it together. And, and I, I want to let you know if, if um, next week, I just hope you join us. If you're visiting with us, I hope you can join us to dig into the meaning of the word fellowship. I, I look forward to sharing with you and all that I've learned and really how it's kind of been rocking my own world and perspective on things um, and just what I've been learning as we, we dig into this. So thanks. I hope you have an incredible week of living out, being a disciple, and learning about Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mike, so much for